Hush, 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 here comes the boogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend that you're a crocodile, and you will find that boogeyman will run away a mile. Fresno's podcast number nine started off with probably the best song from Bioshock 2. I really like this one. Who are we listening to? Henry Hall is the name of the artist. It's called Hush, 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 in brackets. Here comes the boogeyman. Nick's the boogeyman. This is Fadio now. Here we go. Well... Welcome to PressX Podcast number nine, called PressX.com.au. I'm Nick. And I am Ben. And I'm Kurt. And we're here again to bring you some more things happening in culture around Australia, as well as just the general stuff we like to talk about, maybe some arguments. I think we've got a nice little conversation about hippies coming up soon, so (laughs) that'll be nice. We've kind of got the South Park approach to hippies. South Park? South Park. (laughs) All right. So we got the what the haps, what's happening, what's up, that sort of I, thing happening. I think Kurt had an intro for it, but I think you'd have probably have to happening? find that spot in the yeah. song. We might, maybe that'll get put in later or something like that. Yeah, it'll sound odd us talking about the fact that we might put it in. <laughs> <laughs> we can actually put it. just ex- uh, exclaim how good an intro that was. So we check have- out our new intro right now. What's happening? Whoa, that was awesome. <laughs> Breaking time. Yeah. Seamless. So we'll just, we'll just, I think everyone knows, but we're just going to break it. That That's going to go in in post-production. So yep. we have no idea how that works and how it sounds. So hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully it made a bit of change. <laughs> we'll to... Forget to insert it. That oh, was so weird. Yeah. Oh, hopefully it is awesome. Otherwise, I'm going to sound like an idiot. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was all right when Kurt played it a little while ago. So cool. wait, do you want to explain where this little intro came from? Yeah, that'd be oh, good idea. All right. So this little intro is just a, a sound clip from a... Uh, great Australian artist that's starting to really sort of take off in the glitch hop scene called Opio. Uh, we'll give him a shout out for the uh, sound bite there. He's just about to release, I believe, his second album, but go check out his first album. It's called Slurp and Giggle. And you can find it sort of on the MySpaces and the yes. iTunes. Well, he's one of Kurt's friends, and yeah. I um, haven't met him, and I'm sure he's a nice guy, but glitch hop, is that, is it, do we really need to get to the stage of categorizing genres all the way down to glitch hop. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting way too specific. I remember looking at um, Winamp and all the types of genres you can choose when you're, you know, selecting Selected. an MP3. And it's just insane. Like, I've never heard of half of this stuff. And I don't know the difference between, you know, all the different versions of hip hop. I don't crazy. know the difference between gothic and gothic metal and gothic rock and gothic punk. And yeah. Gothic prog. Yeah, I'm not really sure there's much of a difference between them. Uh, I think the way that you look at it is if there's two words, find something that fits into the two genres and that works. Because um, you can have alternate rock and alternate punk and all you do is just look for the punk that's a little different to the usual punk. And first, you know, yeah, anyway, no, there's no such thing as alternate punk. Yeah. No such thing as punk. Yeah, they're all shit. Punk's not real. Punk's yeah. just rock. Yeah. Sorry to tell you. Same with grunge. It's all just rock. Hey, up yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get stuck into what is actually happening after playing the intro and they're not really talking about it. Um, uh, who wants to start? I'll start. Okay, what have you been up to, Kurt? All right, so this week I've been playing Batman Arkham City, which was, it's good. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I think that sort of links into what I've been doing this week where I've actually, I said last podcast that I would borrow Arkham Asylum off you after yep. I have railed against playing it and put it down constantly without actually playing it. As per usual, Nick had to eat his words. Oh yeah, like those, those words. Those words were enjoyably yeah. good because that game was that game was too good to make me feel silly for yeah. saying I wasn't going to like it. And listeners, stay tuned. I'm going to make him eat his words again when uh, Modern Warfare Three outsells Battlefield Three. 
Um, but anyway, <laughs> I've also don't start it. Don't start it. <laughs> I've also played uh, Gears of War three, a uh, bit of that, and still, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I guess getting to that five hundred thousand kills or whatever they want you to do is probably going to take a while. Oh no no no! There's no, that was. Just not in this one. Horde 3.0 is a different achievement this time. They've around. got an Onyx achievement, which yeah. seems like it'll take equally as long. Well, there's Onyx. Well, Horde 3.0 has a kill ratio you got to meet, doesn't it? No. As well, I thought it no, had no, a no. specific so number the of medals kills. work up. You know, bronze, silver, gold, Onyx, okay. um, and there's an achievement just to get an Onyx medal in one of the areas. But uh, seriously, 3.0 requires you to beat the game on insane and get every Onyx medal in the game. I think there's about a hundred of them, so even harder than getting you know a hundred thousand kills. Um, what else? All the medals, like I barely got any, and I've played yeah. so much of that game. Yeah, I, I swear in the beta I had a shitload of them, um, and they were much easier to get than now because I'm playing a hell of a lot of this game and not getting them as often as such. But either way, um, and then in regards to music, uh, what was it? Not last night, the night before, I went to Chris Cornell, and that was absolutely exceptional. It was an acoustic uh, solo concert in which he sort of just sat there and played through all of his songs, not really off a set list as such, it was just sort of whatever he was feeling and there was a few covers in there and it was uh, really, really good. Um, I guess there's a bit of a jump into the future. Tonight we've got me and Ben are going to the Butterfly Effect, uh, oh, yeah. 10th anniversary and I'm happy to make the prediction that it's going to be really, really good <laughs> and, and we'll hear all of our favourites and stuff. Um, yeah, I've been slamming a lot of their older albums this week just in preparation. Yeah, the first two are exceptional. Um, what was it? There's a self-titled EP, and then the one that was blue. Uh, With also a very similar cover. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't really branch out for that yeah, one. Yeah, the the first cover was white, and the second one was blue, and they were basically the exact same color in two different styles. Um, and then I Am Margot, the third album, was good, but that was sort of where I stopped listening because they sort of started going a bit downhill from then on. Um, but yeah, no, that should be a really good concert. Uh, TV. Just been watching, you know, the usual workaholics, Terra Nova, Tosh.0, stuff like that. What, um, should I start watching workaholics? Because I remember we watched one episode just when we were in LA. Yeah, <laughs> and it was really funny, but yeah. it was also pretty weird. Um, they're all really funny and they're all really weird. It's kind of that same sort of humor as It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, sort of pushing the social norms. But um, but yeah, no, if you liked it, especially yeah, that episode where. They did a To Catch a Predator style episode. Yes. It's pretty wrong, but it was very funny stuff. Um, yeah, the rest of them are, are just as funny, if not more funny than that one. Okay. Um, and yeah, other than that, that's pretty much been my my week. Sounds good. Ben, what about you? Benzo? I saw Paranormal Activity this week, number three. Let me guess. It? It's a ghost again. Uh, I don't want to spoil it or anything, but Bloody people Mary. get possessed. Um, yeah, as Nick mentioned, it uh, ties into the Bloody Mary legend. Um, and Apparently it's actually pretty good. Like I, I, I don't really care for horror movies like that, but these are getting quite good reviews for what is just straight up shock horror movie. And the third one, it's still, it's like with the saws, the first one got great, second one was okay, and then it was rock bottom from there. But this third one is apparently getting really good reviews. Yeah, I was a big fan. It was... Uh, very scary. If you're a fan of the first one, um, but not the second one as much, which was kind of the position I was in, don't let that turn you off because this one I thought was almost as good as the first one again. Directed by the guy or the guys that directed uh, Catfish. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Yeah, well, those two fellas came on board to direct this film. It kind of makes sense. They've got a similar style of um, 
cinema, uh, you know, like cinematography. I heard the uh, first one was as scary as hell, so. Yeah, I went with my sister and a few friends, and as the movie went on, she was getting higher and higher in her seat, just <laughs> cowering, and there was a couple of kids in the row in front of us just getting closer and closer, holding each other for dear life, and by the end of the movie, everyone was just kind of sitting there, like, as the credits roll, it, there's no even music over the credits. Right, it's just and, stunned silence. Yeah, yeah, and everyone, you know, normally gets up and walks away and just like, oh yeah, that was a good flick, but everyone were just sitting there for well, I think a good minute. The, the, the first Saw movie, everyone that saw that film walked out in dead silence. Pretty right. sure every single cinema that had that, no one ever talked about walking out of that film. Yeah, it was a similar experience. It, it wasn't, you know, gory like Saw, but there's so much suspense. And the way that they just let the, uh, the camera sit, you get shots like throughout the whole movie that are over a minute long of just like one shot. And, you know, horror movies were so used to seeing very quick cuts that uh, it makes for a very different experience. Well, it goes back to the the classic House house on Haunted Hill, I think is what it's called. It's a very old, uh, the one that they remade with J-Lo, <laughs> if that helps. Um, and in that movie, oh, Jesus, making an effect on the audio. Sorry, guys, it's just my ears. Um, in that movie, there was a lot of shots where it'd stop and it'd film, they'd be hearing a sound through the wall and it'd zoom in on the wall uh, okay. and it'd just be staring at a blank spot on the wall for a minute and a half. Right. So it's that same sort of uh, very structured, very long shots, like, like any sort of really good horror movie. They usually draw you in for a long period of time. Yeah, if you've seen the first one and there's the shots where it's in the bedroom at night and every time it goes to the night you know something's about to go down it's the same kind of thing where uh, this one is you're just sitting there and you'll be like waiting for something to happen and then you might spot something out of the corner of your eye or you might hear a little footstep or a creak or something you're like what's that and it just uh, draws you in and then there's a lot of good you know scares that they do the thing where you look somewhere and then turn around and look back and there's something there and it just gets me every time. Yeah. Like, God damn it. But uh, yeah, I was definitely uh, impressed by this movie. It's a prequel. So it seems like everyone, they're going further and further back in time. Um, so the second one was set just before number one for the most part. And then this one is again set uh, as the girls from uh, one and two are children. But um, it seems like this family was really into film in their lives. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, Paranormal 5, The Rise of Rome will be the... Yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, filming on actual, uh, you know, film reels. Like, what, what are you doing, man? And like, oh, I just got this awesome new camera. But, uh, yeah, I, I can uh, imagine, uh, you know, this series is not going anywhere anytime soon. Cool. Good. Uh, House on Haunted Hill originally had... It's a 1959 big red horror movie that had Vincent Price in it. And we were talking about Vincent Price as the amazing egghead from Batman. the Adam West Batman series. That I really was. hate that Batman series. <laughs> I, I remember as a kid, you know, no, 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 Batman. You got that sort of thing going on when you're I a kid. I still do that while I'm playing but Arkham City. I sit there, no, 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 no. <laughs> that show is just that is pathetic. Well, it's, it's, it really it, it takes Batman away from being such a great character to being uh, a joke. It's, it's definitely the least serious incarnation of Batman that you could possibly ever find. Um, especially, you know, if it's a lot of skin-tight lycra in, uh, with overweight actors. 
doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh, J-Lo wasn't in the remade House on Haunted Hill. I'm not sure who I thought was in it. But... Um, Alright, so gaming, anything like that? I started playing Shadow of the Colossus, the uh, HD remake that just came out. And I'm only about three Colossi in, but I'm pretty impressed. I never played much of the PS2 one, I only played the demo, which is basically up to the first Colossus. Well, I guess I had the same where I played the demo of Eco. Yeah. And I, I found it very hard. I was probably a little young when I played it. Okay. I didn't really understand how that sort of game worked. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to this one. It's, it seems basically it's all boss battles. There's 16 of these Colossi to kill. And, I don't know, the story, I'm a little confused because they don't really explain a whole lot. I guess I'm taking them down to save some chick. Well, no, you're taking them down because you can't, you need the spirits, I think, or something yeah, along the lines uh, of their spirits uh, are brought back to that temple that you arrive in at the start. Yeah. And so you've got, you've got a, uh, um, uh, obviously, girlfriend or partner or something like that that's died. And there was always talk that you could go to, there's a temple in the Forbidden Land where you can... Uh, have read like they can bring it back to life, but as the voice in the sky says, you, you can't do that. And because he's got the the light sword, yeah, he actually can by killing the colossi. And when he kills all the colossi, then their spirits are left in the temple, so gives him the power to revive her. I believe that seems a bit unfair to kill seven people to that's, save one. No, it's sixteen. Sixteen. That, people and kill. that's the thing. I'm feeling like every time I kill one, I'm like. They weren't doing anything yeah. to me. They were just wandering around. Yeah, it's like these giant, uh, you know, giants, I guess. And they weren't attacking me. I just go up, start climbing on their backs and stabbing them in the face. Yeah. I'm like, cool. well, this chick better be worth it. Growing onto their beard, <laughs> hanging off it. Yeah, that's really cool. I love, like, one of the, uh, the third boss, I was just climbing up and you climb up the fur on its back and then it flung me off and I was going through the air and then... I grabbed onto the hair on another arm and started climbing up that side instead. And it's so cool that you can do that. And uh, it's, it looks really good as well, especially considering it was a PlayStation 2 game. It's impressive that they were able to pull this off on that console. It was a late PlayStation 2 game, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. The later PS2 games were quite often good, like quite nice. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely one of the best looking PS2 games. Um, the, the land is quite empty. Yeah, and so that's it. Gives it an interesting feeling. I don't know if they did that. For it's spacious, I think. Resource. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe they. I guess you know, talking of. But then again, it was only on one disc. It wasn't like they went across multiple discs like some PS games have. No, but uh, I don't know if the PlayStation Two could have handled much more anyway because the the world is so huge. It's quite it easy to get lost, and even though you can see where you know you're supposed to go by shining your sword, it might just say you know point you in the direction, and there's massive hill on well, the other what, side. You would have seen those the, the pictographs where they show the sizes of maps mm. and the largest ones. And I think San Andreas is always on that. It's a very large map. I wonder what sort of size that would have in comparison to something like San Andreas, yeah. which was the the biggest map on the PS. Yeah. I wonder, um, was there any PS2 game that came on two discs? Or were they all one disc? I'm sure there would have been at least one. Zeno Saga. Right. I'm sure there was a JRPG that was on yeah. a couple of discs. Yeah. But uh, not many, that's for sure. Cool. Um... You're done. And I also played the Dead Space 2 um, Severed DLC. I don't know right. if you played that, Nick. No, I never got around to it. In fact, I um, after playing Dead Space 2, I got all the way through, only had to get the beat the game without on the hardest difficulty and uh, beat the game on that Second survival difficulty. difficulty. So I had about 900 points out of the 1,000. I was just like, I don't really feel the need to keep playing this game. I don't like it that much, so... 
Okay, well, I've, I've played through the game once on regular difficulty and then wanted to play the rest of the story content. Um, and there was two extra chapters, which were pretty fun. It's not super long. I thought... Were they the same character or were they different characters to sort of expand? No, it's a different guy. So it's... I believe he's from Dead Space Extraction. I haven't played that, but that was on the Wii and PS3. And it's kind of like a shooting game. And uh, I think his name is Gabe. And so it's him and his girlfriend. Um, and, and so where are they in relation to the game? Are they on the same building? Yeah. So you you have a whole bunch of new areas, but then there's still a bunch of uh, backtracking through areas that Isaac was in as well. And it's kind of cool. You see some like wanted posters put up and stuff that they're obviously looking for Isaac and that's a bit interesting to see but for the most part it does feel like they just you know cheaply added in some stuff that they already made um, but it's more action orientated than Dead Space 2. And do you mainly fight the uh, necromorphs or do you find yourself fighting <clears throat> the people hunting for Isaac? No, it's all necromorphs. The cool thing is there's a few enemies that weren't in Dead Space 2. Okay. Like, I think it's called Twitches or something like that. They were in the first one that didn't make it to the second one. And they... Which one were they? They, like, judder around, so it makes it really hard to hit. So you kind of have to put stasis on them to freeze them okay. in one spot. I um, can't really remember them. I can't remember the first game that well. Yeah, fair enough. It's just uh, these super fast-moving guys that bend backwards really freakily and okay. all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's oh, they dodgy shots. Yeah. I think I've got a slight recollection of that. It's, it's definitely not as scary as I thought Dead Space 2 was. Um, and there's not as much story content. There's a few cutscenes to start and finish it and some conversations with your girlfriend, but, uh, uh yeah, I, th I thought it was good, but maybe a bit expensive. Maybe they're just dragging it out before they can get the next game out. Yeah, well, I always like to play all the story content, so it was cool to, uh, play through. And then I also played the new Portal 2 co-op DLC. Okay, what was that like? Yeah, I was really impressed. Was it just, like, I guess it would have been even better on that side, but it's still, it's just, just more maps. Yeah, pretty much. It's a continuation of the co-op stuff. If you enjoyed that, then you'll get a kick out of this. If you didn't, then it's not going to change your mind. It's more of the same. Yeah. Um, the puzzles, I thought, were very hard, especially the first couple of levels. It might take you a little bit of uh, time if, to you know work it out if you've been uh, taking a break from Portal 2. Yeah. But uh you kind of get into the flow of things again and the puzzles are just so clever yeah. that it makes you appreciate you're like well how do they think of that and you kind of feel smart for actually working them out and uh, the ending movie I thought was very funny as well and for free you can't complain yeah exactly yeah there's some challenge maps and stuff which I didn't uh, have a chance to check out but I really loved the co-op stuff so that was cool too awesome alright so that's basically your week that is so for my week I uh like, like I said uh, last podcast, I was going to play Arkham Asylum and I borrowed it. I was actually sick on Tuesday, the day after the podcast. Paul was sicky. Most of the day playing that and if, I have finished. If your office doesn't believe you, you can just listen to last episode's show. Yes. Yeah. You'll be able to tell. Yes. Yes. Um, but it was really good. Very, very good game. Yeah, uh, and for a game that was made in 09, I am... I'm actually glad I played it now rather than then because it's going to roll in, into Arkham City for me and I'm probably going to play both straight through. Yeah, I think you're Which gonna... is good because I think perhaps if you, like with some, with Kurt having that gap between the two games, you're finding it not as 
as enjoyable as the original. Yeah. Perhaps because it's like, it's more of the same. That's, I think that's might be that Assassin's Creed thing where it's still as good as it is and as, as well upgraded as it is, yeah. it's still more of the same. And it's very hard if there's a gap, a long gap, that's because it. you feel like there's no real reward yeah. for waiting. Most people, when I've sort of explained that to them, they didn't quite understand that idea. They're like, but after a gap, then it's like new again. You're like, no, it needs to actually run almost like the game, it's still the first game, and it's just going, going. That's why I liked Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Brotherhood. because I had only sort of finished playing Assassin's Creed 2 maybe a month earlier because I got it a bit later on, grabbed Brotherhood, and just kept going with it, so it almost felt like the one playthrough. Same game, yeah. Um, Fallout New Vegas, I probably would have enjoyed more if I pretty much walked out of Fallout 3. Yeah, see, I'd, I'd, for me, I'd continued to play New Vegas, um, Fallout 3 a lot, and I'd actually had to go back because when there was a talking about when I was more into achievements than I am now, there was there was a stage where when they released one of the DLCs, it was glitched at the start. Yep. So I had to recover my gamer tag right. to go get those achievements again, which I didn't do until later. And sort of I did it about two weeks before New Vegas was coming yep. out. So I got to play it again and go through and really enjoyed getting back into that world. I'm still a strong believer that Fallout 3 was significantly better than New Vegas. Oh yeah, Vegas. definitely yeah. a lot better. Yeah, um, I, in fact, I definitely enjoyed it a lot. I'm keeping my eyes out for a cheap, PC version of Fallout 3 because I wouldn't mind playing it again um, and since I played the hell out of the Xbox version I wouldn't mind playing it on the um, on PC and just firstly seeing if there's any difference but also getting myself another thousand game points or so it was it was a nice change it was a very very new style of game that mm. I think hadn't been really morphed together but you also played Fallout 3 before you played Oblivion and for me coming off Oblivion I was like well this feels a lot like Oblivion, it's yeah. just, you know, reskinned. And it guns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think um, it was a little bit, it did more than what Oblivion did. Oblivion's a little bit of a, stop your trespassing. So I, over and over I, and over. I loved both thing. games. So. Yeah. yeah, I loved Oblivion. I didn't think I would, but I did love it. I must admit, I, I didn't mind Oblivion, but I certainly ended up plowing through it just to get the achievements. Sure. And certainly a lot of the, um, in particular, the, the Magic Guild and the, uh, Warriors Guild were a pain in the ass to just <laughs> go through. It yeah, was so like I was just yeah. just waiting to get the achievements, waiting for that. Boop, boop. Yeah, uh, I really liked um, Oblivion, and I once again played it after Fallout Three. And there was a few things where I was like, "Oh man, you know that was fixed up in Fallout Three, but it was never a big issue." Like I was like, "It was so glitchy though, that can, was the problem." I can steal from that guy, and they'll never know. And then because you could do it in Fallout Three, if they just weren't. Yeah, you could. You could barely it. ever steal from people in yeah. uh, Oblivion. It was very hard to and, do. But that's that wasn't a bad thing. I just looked at it as there were different rules in this world, sort of thing. Hey, so. that's against the law. <laughs> anyway, so I went through, uh, yeah, Arkham Asylum and powered through it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a very good blend. I think um, the zero punctuation review, which I went back and rewatched, was very true. That it was a great blend of seamless violence and attacking and fighting with yeah. seamless uh, stealth, the stealth and the violence, because you had a choice. And if if, if you'd get into a room and there'd be six guys and one of them would have a gun and you'd go, well, do I silently pick these guys off or do I swoop down, knock down the guy with the gun and take them all on in a, in a group fight? I love picking guys off. And then I usually got spotted and started you know attacking after that. Yeah. But I think that's just so cool when you can have a room of guys just slowly disappear. You're, you're wondering, like, does that guy... You know, is he like, where'd everyone go? <laughs> it's really nice, especially when the Joker's collars would go off. And I really liked the idea of 
you go and you get them, you hang them up underneath uh, exactly. one of the gargoyles, yeah. and then you cut it down and startle them. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was always good so for good. a laugh. Yeah, see, that was one difference between uh, Arkham City and Arkham Asylum that I did really enjoy. In, in the sense of, in Arkham Asylum, a lot of that sort of stealth gameplay was really just set up for that room or set up for that little part. It was very hard because it was so compact. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you quite often would only do your stealth if you're in a challenge map or just for that matter, just in a specific area. In Arkham City, because it's a whole freaking city, there's a lot of stealth stuff where you can run in there, you know, not really fist blazing. <laughs> But if you don't want to, you can take a stealth approach and do these swing down, take someone up, hang them from a tower, you know, all that sort of crazy stuff. You were completely right about the fighting style. It's beautiful. I, I didn't believe you when you said it, but you were 100% right. I'm willing to say that because it was so good, the the fluid motion of attacking. Yeah. And especially having that little bit of, you just got that time to, if someone is coming from behind, you can counter their attacks. That was quite nice. And I also found that um, if, if you did go in and all you wanted to do was get lots of punches and stuff, especially with the later fights, if you weren't careful and you didn't... And if, if, you, if you were aware that as much as you might be going for three or four hits against one of the brutes and someone's coming behind you, you may have to stop that to defend. Otherwise, he will hit you. Yeah. It's just so and impressive like how you go from move to move just so uh, effortlessly. effortlessly. <laughs> just... You know, you could be in the middle of a punch and then, like you're saying, some guy's coming from behind and you can just like suddenly, you know, turn that into a backflip and grab those guys and grapple and yeah, just like all flows together so well. All right. Music wise, um, something that was nice was there's a new Coldplay on map. Milo Xyloto. Yeah. It, I, I don't dislike Coldplay. I, I, sometimes I think I do and then sometimes I think I really like them, but I think they're kind <laughs> of one of those bands that you got to be in the right mood for, for me. And... It's okay. There are some good songs. That Paradise is a really good song. It's the latest single. It's well worth having listened to. It's quite a nice song. It's got a really good video clip too of a um, man dressed in an elephant suit escaping from the zoo and getting back to Africa and then riding on a unicycle through Africa. <laughs> what more could you want? Exactly. It's quite good. So we're checking out. But I guess um, this is something I think you guys may have happened at some point or may have already had happen. But um, uh, my parents found their old record collection. Yeah. And it was good because I've, I've listened to a lot of records now and they don't have a record player and don't do anything like that. So they gave it to me and I got to go through with them all of these amazing records that they had. And some are shockers. Um, some of the ones I was happy to get. Just, this is a nice little list for, don't worry, you won't have to link up all of these. Maybe just a couple that are worth. I'll just uh, link up Nick's record collection. Ah, okay. Um, here's some good ones. Rick Wakeman, if you don't know, he's the keyboard player from Yes. Mike and the Mechanics who is one of the main members of Genesis. When they broke up, he went to them. Elton John, Billy Joel, The Eagles, Wings, Chicago, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Lionel Richie, which I love a bit of Lionel. And funnily enough, a copy of Thriller by Michael Jackson that wasn't in its case. Ooh, right. So it's, I've been, I put it on today because funnily enough, if you, the more you listen to a record, yeah. the better it gets, especially if it's if it's a little older and it might be a little bit worn. If you listen to it, you constantly listen to it, it just wears a little bit better. So you okay. can sort of it sort of cleans up the record, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, so those were a couple of the really good ones that I had. Some that and not not too sure about, there were a fair few Kenny Rogers albums. <laughs> uh, there was also my mum uh, was pretty keen pretty keen on the old Cliff Richards. Oh, There's yes. four Cliff Richards albums there. And here's a couple that I don't know whether you've heard of them, but I've never heard of these guys, and they were legitimate actual stars. Jim Croce. 
No, can't say I have. I think I had a couple of big hits. And Dan Fogelberg. I have heard of Dan Fogelberg. I had never heard of Dan Fogelberg. It's been mentioned in South Park. Yeah, that's oh, what I was really? thinking. <laughs> like, he had a number two single in the US, as well as multiple very high number of records in the US. He was actually a legitimate star in the US and I'd never heard of him. Do you know what the single was called or anything? Uh, if I can think of the single. No, I'll find that for you. It might be um, uh, something. I can't remember what it's called. It's got a single word, normal. Just a normal name. It's not nothing special. See, the only... Uh, Someday or something like that. Okay. We, we had a similar thing happen where our basement flooded and had to rescue a lot of those old LPs. And... Uh, the, the one that I remember as standing out was uh, Pavarotti's Greatest Hits. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's, the cover is amazing. It's Pavarotti in a clown suit with the drum. And uh, we don't have a record player. I'm assuming so. he was playing um, uh, the great sad clown. Yeah, I, I can only hope. I, I can't remember what the, what's, the, what's the name. Seinfeld episode, basically, based on that. Uh, um, sorry, I kind oh, of... Uh, where, where, where... Um, Crazy Joe Davola. Yeah, I know the episode. Yeah. Oh my God, what is wrong with this? Dresses up as him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pagliacci, that's it. Yes. Yeah, so Pagliacci, the great sad clown. The song by Dan Fogelberg was called Longer. Okay. And it was a number two hit in the US. So number two on the US charts. Not good enough to be number one. But still, it's very good for back then. A lot of songs took a long time and stayed up there for quite a while. So that was some of the good stuff that was in that collection. And this is, this is, this is a, it's a, it was a, Two uh, double LP with a 24-page instructional booklet in it. Oh, good. Golf Instructions by Arnold Palmer. Oh, <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I'm glad they uh, had to spread it over two because, you know, you can't get enough I can imagine your dad sitting there with a putter in his room with the LP going, just going, I'm going to get this. He did. He was, he was, he was yeah. a keen golfer. Yeah, they, exactly. they, they did love their golf for quite a while. So that was, that was a, a very nice night last night, going through all that sort of stuff. A lot of... Um, Mum bought a lot of the records. There was also a foreigner record, which is really oh, good. Mum nice. bought a lot of the records. Uh, Dad had a few, but Dad mainly bought the 44s because he was a bit cheaper. Just by the singles. Yeah, right. Uh, Mr. Thompson, your son's calling you a tight ass. Oh, no. He, he was he was mentioning <laughs> he himself. He was going through all of Basically, my parents' golden age was, I think, probably 79 to 84, or about uh, then, when they met. So, they met in 83. And I, yeah. I was born in 87, so like from 87 on, I don't think they ever listened to music really. <laughs> so there was all that sort of stuff. And there was, there was a lot of uh, 81, 82, 83 records and LP or 44s from then. That Fair was really, right. that was their like, 21, 22, 23. Yeah. So there's a, a lot from that age. It's well, quite uh, nice to see. It's always I, a nice thing. I expect you to come in next week with uh, plenty of golf knowledge. I think so. I'll let that play. All right. So that's... Basically, what I was up to there. Uh, another thing I did was um, last night I was up late and watched an episode of David Letterman because, of course, we get it on here as well, and it's usually a day behind. Yeah, and um, it's better than it used to be though. We used to get like three months behind. Yeah, exactly, and, and then still end up showing reruns. Well, it's good because yeah. they they do talk about things that literally just happened. Yeah, and I guess the main reason I bring this up is because they had Mastodon live on the show, and it's something I guess. Is really good for someone like me. I get to see all these bands that I really like live on a show like that because if you're live every night of the week or five days of the week, you're going to need to put something on. Yeah, they've got a lot of content to fill. So they've, they've got a lot of, like, they always have a band play every night. So there's a lot of hard rock, metal bands, 
like odd alternative bands, progressive bands, experimental bands that get their chance to play live on a show like that that I like that I get to see because they just need to fill spaces and they can't have they can't have Miley Cyrus on every week. No. They can't have Rihanna come on every week. So they always have all these other bands get to play. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to see bands that you you wouldn't expect to see on something like that. The thing about that show is they obviously have an hour to fill every night and it shows when you've got intros for... Well, I think it's about 35 minutes, isn't it? I thought oh, it was really? a half hour show, yeah. Well, like even the intro for Great Moments in American Speeches, which is one of his regular segments goes for about three times as long as the actual segment itself. Yeah, yeah, he does mention it a lot. That's what they call in show business terms, filler. That's for now, sure. Now, what's... Uh, I can never remember the names. Uh, probably the only other really good late-night host is... Conan. Jimmy Fallon? Pardon? Jimmy Fallon? No. Conan not O'Brien? Conan, I can't Jay stand Leno. Conan O'Brien. <laughs> not Jay Leno, I can't stand him either. J- Jimmy Kimmel? No, not Jimmy Kimmel. The guy, uh, he is Scottish. Oh, um, Craig Ferguson. Craig yeah. Ferguson, that's it. I really like Craig Ferguson. He is, and he always does like a half hour monologue. Yeah, to start that's show. the most impressive it's Mr. Part. Wick from the Drew Carey show. That's right, that yeah. Is. Yeah, I don't know how he can talk for that long to no one. <laughs> <laughs> like, usually these kind of talk shows, like Conan's got his little sidekick kind of thing going on. And they just have a back and forth. But he, he just talks to his talking skeleton, which is really annoying. <laughs> he just does like one-liners and... Somehow he makes a 15-minute monologue every episode about nothing. Dude, Jeff Dunham makes a living out of that. I do I do like him. I think he's actually quite good and he's a little bit sharper than... I, mean, I think Conan's a little bit har-har internet topical. Yeah. I don't really like that internet topical sort of thing. I know. I th- it's not really for me. I don't mind Conan. I haven't watched you know a whole bunch of it. But I thought Craig Ferguson, the way he ends uh, his interviews, where he can touch his shiny ball or have an awkward silence... Or uh, take a sip from the snake cup or something yeah, like that. Yeah, snake cup. Yeah, I thought that was like a really funny thing that he does regularly. They all have their dumb stuff, but I think out of all of them, he's probably the probably the sharpest. And the interviews go for quite a while. Yeah. It's not like um, you know Conan and Letterman where they've got sketches to break things up a bit, so you can kind of get more from the guests, which mm. is mm. not bad. Yeah, we had, we had Clooney on last night, and there was a lot of the fact that Clooney just doesn't go on his show. But they are good friends. But the Clooney's had like four movies come out recently and not gone on Letterman for any of them. What's his new movie out? It's the Ides of March. So that's the new film. Directed by Clooney as well, I believe. It's got Philip Seymour Hoffman in it as well. Yeah, it does, yeah. In fact, it's got a fairly impressive cast all up. Hmm. Well, if anyone's going to be able to bring together a big class, it's George Clooney. So that's probably what's happening between all of us. Uh, we might get stuck into a couple of the topical issues of uh, our world at the moment. And I guess something that was big for Melbourne... And something that got me a little riled up, and I think you fellas are almost in the same boat as me feeling about this to an extent. I think we've probably all got different opinions, but Occupy Wall Street has moved around the world, and the last week uh, we had Occupy Melbourne happening, where we had a bunch of people protesting against uh, our government not looking after the people, as well as a couple of other issues that really I don't think they understand. Um, and they're protesting in Melbourne. And on Friday yesterday, they were moved on, and they were moved on with police force. Uh, I wouldn't say it was excessive, but they were moved on with police force. And there's a lot of uproar about that. Um, but the hard thing is, I guess, f- from my mind, the reason Occupy Wall Street works is because these people are protesting a government which doesn't support the majority of people in their country. And I think this is uh, mainly due to the fact that 
they don't, most people don't vote in America. And well, at least it's not mandatory like Australia. Exactly. And the government doesn't have, it, the government only has to work for the people that vote for it. Because if they work for everyone, if they work for the people that aren't going to vote, they're not winning votes. So it's not really in their best interest to do it, which is the hard part about American politics. So when they work for the upper echelons, the richer class, they do that because the richer class go out and vote. But then do you have a right to complain if you didn't vote? That's the thing. But then again, it's very hard to say you don't because if you said you don't, if people are complainers in general. I, I, I and think that comeback, right, like, the comeback just doesn't really work because then again, it still affects their lives. I think no matter who was voted into power, people would still be doing these protests. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, that's that's true. It doesn't really make... But it, it also comes back to the fact that recently the American government has raised taxes which have affected mainly the lower class and the middle class. And that's why they're upset because they have had a tax raise that is affecting them dramatically in what they can earn and how much money they have to move forward and look after their lives. Which is the opposite in Australia. We just had a tax raise that increases the taxes for the upper class. Exactly. So th that's the thing about the Australian one. The, the, issue, the struggles I have with the Australian uh, uh, Occupy Melbourne is that, number one, these people were forced or everyone in Australia is required to vote. So when everyone is required to vote, the government has to support the majority of people and the government is chosen by the majority of people. You can't protest against the current government not looking, or, or you can't protest that it's not fair, it's not the government you want, but the majority of people wanted that government. So it's kind of the idea of saying this government isn't looking after the majority of people, it's kind of obstructed by the fact that the majority of people voted for that government. I think one of the biggest problems with this Occupy movement, both in the States and here, is that people, sure, they're saying, you know, we're protesting the government, but any more specifically than that, they don't really know. Yeah. And so yeah. they're saying, yeah, it's, you know, the war, it's taxes, it's like, you know, they got a list of 20 general things. They got the catchphrase subjects. Yeah. And so anything that you can put on a, uh, you know, a, a sign that looks kind it's, of It's cool. kind of like the crazy man, the government, exactly. that sort of situation. And so there's no one being held accountable specifically. So... No one's going to be like, well, they're putting all this pressure on us. We have to do something to fix it. It's just putting it on the man, which no one's going to be like, well, we have to take responsibility. Everyone's going to be like, well, someone else can take responsibility. Yeah. And they don't have a timeline. So they can just be going there for as long as they want until enough people get bored and move on. And it's just like, well, what's going to happen then? It was funny. Some there's the no goal. Happening. Yeah. And there was a really, it was a really good one. This girl was saying, I'm down here to protest, to be solidar to solidarity with these. I'm not working at the moment. My work gave me three days off, which ends today. <laughs> and I'm protesting. Her work gave her three days off to go and protest. Yeah. Where else is that going to happen? That was on the Australian one, right? Yeah. Yeah. They gave her three days off just to go protest. I'm sure that happens, happens in the Middle East all the time, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. Women don't get to work in the Middle East. So, yeah. Hmm. But they don't get to protest either. Yeah. No, so it's, I find this, and especially the Australian one, it seems to be the majority of people protesting are professional protesters, which is a lot it's of the Australian, a, weird a lot of, no, a lot of Australian protests are by hired protesters, especially things like, um, uh, whenever we have the G8 summits and yeah. things like that, that happen in Australia, they're often hired protesters 
people that basically make a living on going to protests and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's real. You can As you do. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not yeah. saying it's not no, real. It's, it's a strange situation. Um, and uni students and casual workers, people that really don't have a say in that sort of issue. Uh, people that... They're, they're this, and like, I guess... The guy, the, one of the guys that was on news.com.au, I'm sorry, uh, one of the guys that was on News24, which is uh, our ABC news station, uh, was saying that these protesters are protesting for the police that are attacking, for their pensions. Well, not in Australia. No. This is, it's not in Australia. We have a completely different system to America. And Australian system is quite good. Yeah. As much as you may not like it, we've got quite a good democracy compared to most other places in the world. And Australia was just ranked number one in the world in uh, basically wealthiest country. So I think that means that each person is worth about $220,000, they said. And as, as Kurt was saying, a lot of these people are on the dole, yeah. uh, using uh, uni yeah, study, youth allowance, youth allowance rent study allowance, rental rent assist. All these people that were protesting in Australia are getting money government from aid. the government. In very basic terms, money from the government. And nothing pisses me off more when I hear someone say, oh, but I can't live on the dole, you know what I mean? It's not enough. And you're like, you're not meant to live on the dole. No, it's, it's meant, meant to stop gap It's meant to prop jobs. you up yeah. while you get an actual yeah. job. Yeah, so you still live on your savings with assistance, you know what I mean? It's, exactly. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it, I, I do find it very hard. I, I just don't think... I just don't think you can protest about American issues in Australia because no. we don't have those issues. Well, Plus, it's, it's we don't have freedom of speech here in Australia, not to the extent that the Americans have it. No. We don't have... We have the right to protest. However, disturbing the peace is an issue. You can't go and set up shop in front of someone's shop for six months. You can't do it. And that's what they've done and that's why they've been moved on because they're in front of businesses who allowed them to stay there for a week they took our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> They're protesting in front of businesses. They're obstructing the society of Melbourne. They have to get moved on. It's just the way it goes. You can't do it. Well, it's the other thing is people see people protesting and just want to get in on it. Yeah. And so it's like, I think so many people don't really know uh, like why they're there. They're just like, yeah, let's, you know, damn the man and, you know, let join the group. It's the mob mentality kind yeah. of thing. And, Without a proper goal, like, when are they going to be satisfied? They exactly. have to be moved on eventually. Just say they pulled all the troops out of the war or they, you know, lower taxes or whatever. Like, how many things do they have to do before they're like, yeah, okay, Australia's awesome now. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it just comes down. It's like the... I always find it hard in these situations because they just they constantly complain. They've got so many issues that they keep fighting against that we, we can't well, meet their needs. There's so many mixed messages. We need to focus on one thing at a time and get one person held responsible before, you know, you actually, you know, can make a difference. But it, when you're going at the scattershot approach where it's like, let's just fix everything right now, nothing's going to change. No, exactly. Um, I guess the, the, the ultimate result is that uh, this is, of course, going back to Reddit, which is, like, I think a lot of this is basically, especially the Melbourne one, was basically Reddit users and 4chan users. <laughs> when you see those damn Guy Fawkes masks, you know that these people have no knowledge of what's going on and have no respect and no understanding of why they're there. And even in, um, like, I think Dublin or something, the protests turn into a riot. And it's like, well, that's exactly the opposite of what you're trying to protest for. Yeah. I guess two, more, two yeah. points to finish it off for me. They caused something like 
$15,000 worth of damage to that area. Yeah. In the US one, they were told they were going to be moved on to clean the park. So they cleaned the park themselves yeah. and looked after the area. And when it comes down to it, we are still in the 1% of the world's rich. 99% of the world's people live in worse poverty, uh, are starving, can't find food, fear for their lives, fear disease, uh, live in countries where they don't get vaccinations for horrific diseases which kill people, uh, live in countries which have a major, major issue with things like AIDS, yeah. have a major issue with hepatitis A. These are all issues that we don't face that the majority of the world does. So maybe if they looked at the rest of the world and realized how lucky they are, they wouldn't be protesting like this. They'd understand that, yeah, we might be struggling with our mortgage, but we still have a goddamn house to live in. Yeah, yeah, it's like tough, but you know, everyone is, you know, everyone's doing it tough. Yeah, yeah it's, we're all in the same situation. Yes, yeah. one there is the one percent that is ultra rich, but unfortunately, that's just the way a bell curve works. Yeah. And also, you know, Australia's actually come through all of this pretty unscathed. We're actually in a pretty good state. Yeah, it's almost like the little kid going. I didn't want a brown horse, Dad. I wanted a fucking white horse. You know, that sort of spoiled little rich kid thing. I think I saw that on one of the protesters' signs. I did? Yeah, yeah white I want the fucking white horse. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it was, it's like, it just gets me rolled up sometimes, and especially this idea of people complaining that capitalism doesn't work. Well, it works better than most of the other systems we've used this thus far. Yeah, lesser of evils. Also, the argument of they're using the, we are the 99%. It yeah. seems like they're not. Like, no. I don't think 99% of people are on the head page, you know, no. so we'll see. It's, I guess everyone's venting frustrations, but they've got to look at the bigger picture. But again, yeah. Australia hasn't got it nowhere near as bad as what they have. Yeah. What the U S have, the U S have a crushingly bad economy. They have an economy that will not survive because they just cannot support. They've got too many people that do earn a decent amount of money. So, and the dollar's not worth anything anymore because of that. And China owns all of their debt. They're in a much worse situation, and believe if they, they're not willing to admit that they're not the, they're not the big boys in the playground anymore. Yeah, China is, and then India is going to be soon. You've lost so America. They, they've got to realise that they're not they're not the big they're not playing with the big boys anymore. Uh, we're almost bigger these days. Yeah, we, well, we've certainly got I a stronger think, economy yeah. than they do. All we don't right. have a bigger economy. We have a stronger economy. That will get us a lot of hate mail from yeah. the uh, we'll dirty, uncleaned clover. I don't want you listening to a podcast. Wearing podcast listeners out there. Stop listening anyway. to a podcast. Get a fucking job. <laughs> That's too busy. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not fucking hard to get a job. I've had like five. Succeeded all, all of them. Time. It's not hard. Not fucking hard. <laughs> all, so, right. Yeah. all right. Let's let's do more world talk. Dictators after the fall of my. How about a little bit? I can't even pronounce the first name. Yeah, good after you. Mahad Gaddafi? Mahad. Uh, I can never pronounce his first Who name. Who cares? He's dead now. Well, yeah, that's right. I think um, I was talking to my, my father about it and he was saying that what he found hard about it was they basically murdered him in the street. Yeah. And I understand where he's coming from. But then again, we're not talking about the US government capturing someone. We're talking about a militia in a country capturing someone. And also, he murdered situation. a lot of people in the street as well. Plus, it's, it's a different yeah. country. Yeah. And I think that... From my standpoint, the, the thing I liked the most about it, not the fact that he's dead, but the fact that he was caught in a sewer drain. Yeah. That this man has reigned tyranny over an entire country for so long and terrified masses of people and murdered anyone that has said an ill word against him. And 
He was caught in a drain like the rat that he was. Yeah, it did. It's that sort of fall to fall from grace, or I don't really think it was grace, but you know, the ultimate... Hiding in the sewers. Yeah, the ultimate... He, he said he'd never leave his country and he'd stay in his castles, but no, he was hiding in a sewer. Yeah, I, I was hearing someone else talk about this and just thinking of those moments of clarity where, you know, you're down in that sewer and he must have been like, how did I get here? Like, you know, he it's caught like himself... It's of a movie where they're always like... How do we come to be? And then they flash forward. Yeah, and it's such a the thing is there's, there's so much money in that country. That country, he was ridiculously rich because they are so oil rich, and they have, as they were saying, they've got the Cadillacs of oil. Yeah, they've got premium quality oil under their country, and he would force the people to get it, and then keep all the money. But he called himself the King of Kings. Yes, and then you catch him in the sewer, as you mentioned. It kind of puts things in perspective a little bit. Hopefully that country will be in a better situation from now on. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, indeed. I think there are still a lot of dictators out there, though, which is the, yeah. the odd situation. Places like Sudan uh, still have dictators yeah, running their country. However, the good thing about Sudan is it's split. Yeah. Now they've had a vote and north and south have split. However, again, there's oil on the border. Yeah, there's going to be another war. The world will always be at war. Well, funnily enough, listening last night to George Clooney, he's actually heavily involved in that. And he is, in fact, basically looking after the South. Yeah. He watches. He has cameras watching the border where the North arm their troops to walk across. And he knows exactly what's going on. And he, I think he's actually in regular talks with the uh, leader of the North of Sudan. Right. So it's, it's, it's a surprising situation that America, someone like him has stepped into a situation like that. That's cool because at least it makes people pay attention. It does, yeah. As much as he's pretty pompous about everything... At least he's using his money to do well. Yeah, he hopefully is someone that can actually make a difference. So yeah. We'll see. Maybe that was it for dictator discussion. I think that we had much more. I do like the fact that you started that with dictators, everyone. So, you know, it could be a regular segment. <laughs> <laughs> Our favourite dictator. Yeah. <laughs> dictator of the week. Sure, we could probably run that. Yeah, reckon. At least for like five episodes. Maybe, maybe we could do like like classic dictators like Pol Pot. Dictators from the past. Yeah, yeah, Castro. <laughs> he's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's still kicking. Oh, he I can... don't know if he's as much a dictator as like, they seem to like. Oh, some do, some don't. Send in your situation. vote for dictator of the week. Yeah, for Castro, of the press week. one. Anyway, shall we get some some news? Why don't we start talking about something real like, that we enjoy, like games, rather than getting aggressive about hippies and. I hear the War PlayStation Rangers. Vita is coming out. Yeah. February 22nd, I believe. Uh, believe so. I don't have the numbers in front of me at the moment. I think that's a discussion for you two to have, because I'm yeah. not really the biggest handheld guy. Well, um, uh, yeah, this week, PlayStation announced the worldwide, I guess, you know, English yeah. language release for the uh, PlayStation Vita, which is their new, you know, sequel to the PSP. Yeah. And... Uh, it's coming out February twenty second, and in Australia, three hundred and fifty bucks for the. That's for the base model. Just that's for the Wi Fi only one, yeah. and uh, the three G one. It's kind of unclear at the moment how much that's going to be. It'll be another couple hundred bucks. Well, so. it's, originally they announced it as uh, four fifty, which right. that seems pretty expensive for you know a hundred dollars just for the three G feature. But then I saw uh, after that on the EB website four hundred and eight dollars. Okay. So they might have, you know, heard people going, that's a bit insane. Yeah. Um, especially since we can, like, I don't know how necessary that 3G feature is going to be. It's cool that you can, um, you know, 
access the PlayStation Network from anywhere, but do we really need it? Well, uh, outside of yeah, Wi-Fi areas. Yeah, are we going to be trying to download... It depends on the multiplayer side of things. You know, do you want to be on the bus and playing a multiplayer game with your friend? Well, I suspect we probably won't be able to play much multiplayer over 3G. I just don't think it's fast enough, so... Maybe games like on, you know, your iPhone, you've got words with friends yeah. where you take turns, or, you know, chess with friends and that kind of stuff. But I don't think you're going to be able to play, you know, Ridge Racer or whatever... Why, on 3G, I just don't think it's... Well, it's not about 3G, it's the HSDPA network, so we're talking 7.5 megabit connection. If it's done properly, it should be actually relatively okay. But when are we going to be able to connect to that on Vita? Uh, I've got it on my phone. Okay. So, yeah, in theory we should, and especially if it's not, you know, if it's then sort of workable on the 4G network, whatever the go is, it should be alright, yeah. Well, the other thing is that... You know, with the iPhone, I can tether it as a yeah. Wi-Fi hotspot. And you were mentioning last week you've got one that you carry around with you. And so if you've got that, then you don't really need the 3G functionality yeah. anyway. I won't be getting the 3 I've, I already pay enough for all my 3G devices. Yeah. I've got my phone. I've got my tab. You know, I used to have a USB dongle for my laptop as well. There's no way I'm paying another, you know even if it's $10 a month for another 3G device, it's just too much. Well, it sounds like in America they're doing it by, uh, like, a usage basis. So you right. might pay for 50 hours or, like, a you know, a couple of gigs or whatever at a time. Um, and that would probably be better than paying per month, I think, here. Yeah. But, uh, like, the cool thing is about this announcement that it's just coming out pretty soon. Like, yeah. about four months away. Yeah. Um, interesting that they didn't go for the pre-Christmas... I think, I think they just don't have enough time. No, it's, no. It's, it's coming out in Japan exactly one week before Christmas. That's what I mean. Like, they've got it for Japan. They obviously haven't manufactured enough for the rest of the world, but it's one of those things where it's like, if you were Sony, you'd be running that factory 24 hours a day. Get it out before Christmas when you're going to get your sales, especially at that price range where it wouldn't be unacceptable for kids to be able to expect it for Christmas and stuff like that. You know, what is it? 399 Three, $3.49. $3.49. That's so it's a bit exy, but it's the same price as, you know, what the DS and stuff was. I think that's an excellent price for what you're getting. If you look at the PSP, that was 400 bucks when it came out here. Yeah. And so this is, for the 3G, uh, the Wi-Fi only model, that's cheaper than the PSP. And this is the same price as you're paying for the 3DS up until the price drop. Yeah. So I don't, I know, I've seen people complaining about the price and I don't really understand that. Yeah. I think that... You know, I think it's a perfectly reasonable price. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you look at those games, like, if you can play Uncharted on a frickin' handheld, that's worth 350 bucks. And also, we've seen what it can do. We've had a look at some of the stuff. Certainly at E3, there was, you know, they were floating around, there was footage being shown. We've seen the graphics. We're not talking about the next iteration of a DS. It's actually a big jump in technology and all the rest of it. Um, and all of these devices come out around that price. Yeah. You know, we pay the same for our 3DS. Well, like, how many people have iPhones? And yeah. That's insanely more expensive. Yeah, that's slightly different because phone as well. But yeah, but it means that people here aren't unwilling to pay for technology. Yes, yeah. So as backwards as Australia can be over technology. But, I mean, it, we're, not, we're not talking about a multifunctional thing. We're talking about a straight-up gaming platform that, I guess, if you have... like, a, a, If people have consoles, do they really want to sit down in their house and play it. Look at the sales of DS's, look at this, you know. I think, I think Nintendo's got a different, yeah, especially even, we're, yeah. we're talking about 
I can't, especially something like the PlayStation Vita doesn't have your Mario Karts and your kids games to the same extent as what the DS has. The DS is very popular because anyone under the age of 12 probably owns DS. But actually, if you look at the sales of and ownership of DSs of people over the age of, say, 13, they're monumentally huge. You put a PSP at the same price with better graphics, better, you know, or more appropriate games for an older generation I won't say better games but does um, the does the DS sell especially the, we're talking about the 3DS at this point the 3DS yeah. is purely selling through nostalgia yeah, yeah. so uh, they're, they're, the majority anyone that owned a, even a 64 DSI is probably buying stuff it. like that there's a huge yeah. purchase I guess I still yeah. think of them as the, the they're a nostalgia console yeah they're a way of playing new versions of your favourite characters yeah. whereas I don't see PlayStation's one having the same effect on people in that sort of way like they don't they don't get an emotional effect from PlayStation the good thing about it is that they they don't recycle characters like Nintendo do yeah. but like also they don't have yeah. I, I don't feel an emotional connection yeah. with a PlayStation like I feel with Nintendo the main thing that we need but that's, also, okay go on. sorry I was going to say we have to remember as well is uh, we're taking it from an Australian standpoint you look at the PSP sales in Japan. Yeah, that's a different situation. Japan, so... Japan are technology crazy. And, and they love Sony. They're... And they love Monster Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... Yeah, they're biggest selling games, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. It, it, those games sell insane. So as soon as they announce Monster Hunter Vita or something, these things are going to go through the roof. As you know, They've already announced the 3DS one, so it'll be interesting to see because now they've actually got it on a Nintendo yeah. console. I'm just thinking, if I was sitting down at home, I'd be playing a console. I wouldn't be playing a handheld game. Yeah, me too. But uh, as I've mentioned several times on the show, I've yeah. got you know such a long commute that I'd love to have something as powerful as a PlayStation Three or like you know almost as powerful to take on the train yeah. on that train ride. And yeah. uh, you know they've already got games like Uncharted. There's uh, you know what's called Marvel vs. Capcom and uh, Little Big Planet are coming. I guess, and yeah. there's, there's some big franchises. I wouldn't think of you as your standard guy with that sort of situation. Sure, like you. Uh, everyone well, especially on the train like, is playing like, their iPhone. Like five, yeah, five hour plane trips. Yeah. People sit there and play Angry Birds for five yeah. hours. Yeah. It, it's a different mentality. We've yeah. got a different mentality towards games and I'm not sure that your general punter has that same mentality. Whereas your general punter has the mentality for their kids that Nintendo is a kid's thing that they'll want. Yeah, but you, and they have a, my phone's got enough games for me. Yeah, but the general gamer that does have to do that commute. That's true, yeah. Are, go, are going to be looking for something a little more. Um, well, I'm a general gamer. I'm not looking for more. Yeah, but are you, how, are you commuting? Probably half an hour. Yeah. 40 minutes. See, if you're taking up to an hour, which a lot of people are doing, or if not an hour and a half in some cases, you might find yourself going, I want a little more. You know yeah, what I mean? I, but it I, is I, read, I read a book more than anything. Yeah. Like, to see the sales of the 3DS aren't doing as well as Nintendo obviously hoped, and it does seem like a lot of the reason is the games, but I'm just wondering how much that has got to do with the iPhone because that's got to be a huge yeah. influence. Or how much of that is people going, fr- you know, fuck it, I've got a DS, I don't need 3D. Um, and well, I guess it's hard a lot. Like, standard parent isn't going, oh, I just bought my kid a DSi a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. 3DS is out, better upgrade them. Yeah. Yeah. But also, there actually has been very few 3DS games. Well, that, that's the thing. We've got well. uh, Zelda, which is a remake. Yeah. We've got Star Fox, which is a remake. I've got like you know Rayman Two, which is a direct port, and yeah. Dead or Alive, which is basically the a same port. as the 360 version. Yeah. So you've got Resident we, Evil coming, which is sort of a remake. Well, Resident Evil is going to be like one of those big new ones. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we get more games like Resident Evil and uh, Kid Icarus that yeah. you know we haven't seen before, basically. 
So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the sales do when those kind of titles finally launch. But yeah, we're what six months into the uh, 3DS's life cycle and still haven't seen that many of those kind of games yet. Yeah, it is six. It's pretty much six months now, and there's been nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Jesus. Yeah, um, and that's that's just it. Whereas Sony is launching with uh, what did that Sony? We met a rep at E3. I think he said there was eight that they're trying to have. If major you look at the titles. Japanese launch lineup, there's something like thirty games. Yeah, but there was eight major AAA titles that they wanted there at launch, and as long as they got four. Yes. Yeah, and so just you know, as long as I can pick up Uncharted, which is the Japanese launch title, so it seems likely we'll get it on launch. Yeah. And, I'd assume so. I can't yeah. imagine it wouldn't. And then maybe like well, one or two other decent titles from the list of stuff that's announced, then that should give this thing a good start at least. Otherwise, I guess I'm I'm just not sure. I can I, guess, I, I the only I had as a kid I had handheld games. Yeah. Which is you know it's it's a thing that kids have to keep them occupied. And as an adult, I didn't really play handheld games. I guess like Pokemon was the only thing I occasionally played purely for a for my love of that as a kid because it was probably my favourite game growing up. So that's the only reason I've ever played that later stages is on handheld games. I'm not sure whether handheld games is going to survive the iPhone and the Android and the Windows 7 phone. We're still missing the key thing to these phones and gaming which is any solid game. They're getting getting towards it. They are getting towards it but we're still factoring in Controls aren't great. Controls aren't great, and in particular for Android, we're talking about you know eight thousand different versions of hardware running the same operating system. So you've got this. Okay, this game comes out. Does it run on gingerbread? Does it run on the new ice cream sandwich? Does it run on all of that? And then for that matter, do you need a dual core processor? You know, there's so many little factors. That's the thing about the the iPhone is it's people complain about Apple being expensive, but their technology, you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's it's not like you're going and buying a PC and for all you know you might have bought the dodgiest PC in the world. Just because it's running Windows 7 doesn't mean it's going to yeah. be good. Yeah. A Mac, you know what you're getting. You know yeah. you're getting quality. Yeah, I'm currently using my MacBook Pro to run, run Windows 7 right Exactly, because of the quality in it. I know people complain. I've got friends that absolutely hate Mac, but like all he does is complain about his phone, his iPhone. Oh, I hate my iPhone. I hate my iPhone. Get a fucking new phone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a shit if you hate it. I like it, so shut the fuck up about it and go buy yourself a new phone. I hate my Motorola. Explicit tag. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Number two, second explicit tag. Nine episodes, two explicit tags. That's all right. <laughs> Fuck. What else is uh, happening in the world, Nick? Um, what else is happening in the world? Oh, this is actually really cool. Mass Effect Three is going to have co-op multiplayer. I think yeah. it was four by co-op multiplayer. Oh, okay, cool. I think it may have been four. I might, I'll go check that right That's now. Four. But yeah, Mass Effect Three with multiplayer might be quite enjoyable. I'm not sure what I'm going to do though because I do want to play it on my own. It, it I don't want like, to miss out by not playing it with multiplayer, but I want to be able to beat it on my own. Well, it seems like the co-op stuff is separate missions. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was you play through the main no, game as no. co-op. No. Okay. Oh, so, well then, fuck that. You'll still be able to play through the game uh, as you did, you know, one and two without missing anything. Okay. Um, but it, I think they've said that maybe the co-op stuff will uh, affect the single-player campaign in some way, so I don't know if there'll be choices that you get to make that make some small changes or you'll just get some items that unlock or something like that. I would have thought so because I guess the main part, the main thing about Mass Effect was everything you do has a consequence. Yeah. Be careful. So when you kill the Rachni Queen. Like I did on my <laughs> second playthrough. It's going to come back and bite you in the, bite you in the bum this one. <laughs> I think you're going to get to uh, 
part three. And I know when she doesn't arrive to save you, I'm going to put it out there that, that, that Rackenai Queen is going to save you from something. Yeah, I think I uh, pissed off a lot of people that aren't going to have my back in the third one, so it'll be interesting to see, because uh, I don't think I've explained this on the podcast, that I played through Mass Effect 1 twice, and then when I started Mass Effect 2, for some reason the only save that I could load was my evil playthrough, where I just did everything for fun to see what the other side would be, rather than... Was it I, your most recent playthrough? Uh, it was, but I think it had something to do with... Um, the cache on the Xbox game. Where you'd mindset. saved it or something like that? Yeah. So, uh, I started Mass Effect 2 with my evil playthrough, and that was good because I had Rex alive, but I killed the Queen and made a few other changes. So. Yeah, I must admit, I played I played through as the ultimate good guy. Like, there were slight moments where I was nasty, but, uh, you know, you're only nasty towards nasty people and stuff. I tried to I tried to play so it as what I play it. I actually kind of like the idea of playing a game as you would play it. Yeah, like, that's what I usually do too. So, Mass Effect 2, I played through as uh, a good guy. And so my Commander Shepard is a bit schizophrenic, I think. <laughs> I, I don't like the idea of playing a game through as you would actually play it because I'd be like, oh, God, run! <laughs> Take the planet, I don't want it! <laughs> you, you can pretend you're tough. Nah. I, I just try and make, make the decisions that I feel were right, yeah. but that's the way I like to do it. And it's, it's interesting to see how it results. Because uh, I, I had ever, I know um, a friend of mine in the final scene in Mass Effect 2 uh couldn't keep Morton alive. Ah, uh, yes. So he's like, Morton, no! <laughs> but I kept them all alive. So I, I've, got, I, I've got every every character alive at this point. Yeah, I had to go back and play that scene again. I think uh, Morton died for me as well. First Morton time. died in my game. You had to, um, like, you yeah. had to send, uh, you had to keep Morton with you at all times, otherwise he would die. Yes, yeah, I, I didn't believe. want him with me at all times. No, so I didn't I want him at all. He's, he's, not, he's nothing special, but otherwise he's not strong enough to survive. Fine, let him die. I, that's we true, but then again, he's a main character in number three, from what I can see. Not for me, obviously. <laughs> yeah, not for you. <laughs> but uh, one of the cool things about this is that it seems like you can play as the different races in the co-op stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if I'll be any good, but I'm I definitely... i Rex's race. Yeah, well, I always... Krogan. I always Krogan. Uh, enjoy co-op stuff, and pretty much I've always said co-op can improve any game. So, uh, yeah, yes. I, I think this is cool. Co-op can. Multiplayer deathmatch doesn't. I wonder... No. When you played through Mass Effect 2, did you have... This is the feeling... When I finished, I felt like I... I felt happy that I'd finished it and thought it was an amazing game. But I also... I actually felt sad that I am never going to get to play through that game with fresh eyes ever again. I do that with a lot of games. It was the same with Fallout 3, World of Warcraft, a whole lot of stuff where I look back on it and go, the first time I played through that, that was sick, but I'll never be able to do that again. Funny enough, going back to the old Pokemon, I've got memories of the first... of playing Pokemon Blue and going through that yeah. first section up into the forest and catching a Pikachu straight away in the forest. I have memories of, and they're very vivid memories, and I can I can still remember the feeling of playing that game and how excited I was and how much I enjoyed it when I first played it. Yeah, and you then now I play it and I'm like, I can do this with my eyes shut. And I'm like, it's still fun, but it's not the same. No. I'd give anything to experience Final Fantasy VII for the first time again. See, I, I was uh, thinking of Final Fantasy X. I didn't get that same feeling from Mass Effect 2, but ten, I was... Just I did everything in that game before I finished it, and I was like, "Oh well, I guess I got nothing left to do but beat the final boss." So yeah, but I nothing know. left yeah, I to do but die now. I'm yeah. And I remember going through those. Um, I couldn't get on the dark aeons, but there was uh, Omega going through and fighting towards Omega. Ah uh, yes, which was there's like there was like the the major pillar platforms with the gaps, and you'd had a big boss fight on each platform. Yeah, that was very hard. <laughs> I was. Um, that was a lot of fun. 
the question got posed to me the other day, which was an interesting one, which is if you could only play one game from now on for the rest of your life, what would be that one game you had to choose? Oh, for three. <laughs> yeah. Well, it has to be one you're not going to get bored with. So yeah, I don't know, man. Just to be nice, I'll be yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not I, sure I could choose one game. I think I'd try like Warcraft or something. I'd never played World of Warcraft, but it seems big enough that it could last me you know, a long time. Yeah, it would have to be something like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy VII, where by the time you get to the end of the 100 hours, you can start again. It almost feels fresh again because it's been so long. But, yeah, um, I'm, I'm with Ben. Yeah, I'm but not sure I could choose one. Something like World of Warcraft is always a good one because it's just so massive. And they just announced a new expansion for it this morning. Yeah, I did see that, the Pandaren areas. I have no idea. I didn't see any details about it. <sighs> ben, Ben, Ben. <laughs> it's just not for me. But they did, know, they did announce another cool thing, BlizzCon, is going on at the moment. And uh, everyone who subscribes to the annual World of Warcraft Pass gets Diablo 3 for free. Wow, really? Yeah, so oh, it's I like... I consider that. I guess the annual pass is a new thing where you pay for a year yeah, in advance. Yeah, because you used to only go two months or a month at a time. That's quite. I, that's a smart move. Yeah, well, the thing is... Like, that's I, the Xbox Live way. I, I don't pay for it play World of Warcraft anymore, but if it's roughly, say, $5 more than the retail copy of Diablo, shit, I'll get it just so that way I can just... If I feel like jumping on World of Warcraft for a day here yeah, or there. Yeah, it makes sense. It's covered. So, uh, yeah, it does sound pretty smart with Blizzard and... Uh, yeah, Diablo 3 is obviously going to appeal to a lot of those Warcraft fans oh, of anyway. Course, so yes. I, I see I'm a lot of people taking it. I'm not sure whether it will hold up to the, the length of time it's taken to get to it. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a Far long, too long time since Diablo 2. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It does look similar, but uh, an improvement enough that hopefully it will be you know worth the wait. It, looks, it does look like the... I always look at it by size of the characters. Where like World of Warcraft, no matter what race you are or what character you are, they're always chunky. <laughs> they are always chunky characters. It seems like they're a little bit more streamlined in this game. I don't know if I told... I don't think I told this story on the show. When I played Final Fantasy XI, they, uh, that was the only MMO RPG I've ever played. Oh, really? Okay. So you've yeah. only had crap so far. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. But my experience was I created a character and... I chose head size. That's one of the options. Yeah, and I went with uh, small. <laughs> and I got into the game. I like spent you know half an hour creating my character, choosing a name because you know I'm going to be with this guy for the next however many hours, and everyone else is in the world is going to see it. I want to make this you know guy as cool as possible. And so I finally you know make my guy do all the uh, intro stuff and get into the game. And my guy looks like a freaking pygmy with a shrunken head. Yeah. Like, why is his head so small? So I play a little bit. I'm like, nah, I'm not sticking with this game for however many hours to have this freaky miniature head-looking guy. So I start again, make him again, and choose medium. And I get into the game, and his head still looks really freaking small. I see everyone else, and they're running around, and their heads look normal. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? So I started again. I chose the character with the biggest head by default, which is like the little mage guys. And I choose large. And so I get into the game, his head looks normal. I'm like, sweet. Then, because I chose, like, this tiny character who's pretty weak and stuff, I just get creamed by, like, even the easiest bad guys. And so I got so pissed off that I just had to quit the game. Like, I barely played it. But uh, it was just too funny, like, walking around with, like, this shrunken head. Character's <laughs> got to look good. The, the other problem, I had, I had the similar thing with Oblivion, where I was doing the random character generator. And I was just like messing around with it and I chose all these weird... Because you can choose skin colours and make them like purple and yellow and stuff. And uh, I, I made him look like a freak so I just hit random and 
uh, tried to make something that looked a bit normal and started the game. And then about, you know, an hour or so in, I discovered that my guy on his neck and shirt had all this weird coloured skin that I didn't know about until I got, like, far enough in to take off his shirt. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I'm a guy and he's, like, horrendously ugly from the neck down. <laughs> so I had to just, like, cover his face with uh, armour and his body with, like, the biggest armour just to obscure it for the whole game just because he looked too freaky. So uh, I'm not you making a mistake. Like first person the, the whole time? So definitely not. I don't want to look at my guy. <laughs> it's interesting that in the uh, new World of Warcraft expansion, um, Pandaren, which has been sort of the rumour that it was going to be the next race since the first, you know, sort of expansion pack came out is finally being put in. What is it? What's um, a Pandaren? Pandaren are basically like halfway between a Japanese monk, but like that sort of, you know, the old school... I thought they put in new Pandaren. races all the time. Yeah, yeah, but each time it was always hinted that it was going to be the Pandaren race and they just never got around to it. Okay. They're kind of like wearing the rice paddy... Hats and they carry their brewmasters. So it's Pandaranas in Panda. Yeah, so they're giant panda beer brewmaster people that carry a barrel under one hand and a bamboo cane in the other with a rice <laughs> paper hat. They're kind of a weird looking thing. So are these in the game already? You just can't no, play no, this is going to be the new race that you can play as. Okay, cool. Which is very strange. Um, and before anyone wastes any time yet, um, they're not offering a 12 month subscription yet. It's only up to six months on the account pages. Okay. Well, I assume it's it will come. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, this yeah. thing. All right. So GTA 3 is coming out for mobile devices. Yeah. Yeah. Then do you want to run through this because I really haven't been over it. They're coming to iPhone 4s and iPad 2 and a bunch of Androids, which it's pretty cool. Like you know, 10 years ago, the best game we had on our phone was Snake, and now we've got freaking Grand Theft Auto 3. So uh, it's pretty impressive. I don't know how uh, much I'd want to play it without you know actual controller. But, uh, I think it might be quite hard. I'm not yeah. sure whether I'd be able to. I actually struggle with iPhone controlling on a screen. Yeah, with any. I find game, you, I got big fat hands. Like I'm, I'm like I'm not a small dude. So like my hands are quite large and they really obscure the screen when I use them. Even like a thumb. Yeah, in the corner takes up a lot of room. That I have. I think maybe the iPad version might make it a little easier because it's bigger. But any game that uses those kind of virtual thumbsticks, I always uh, have trouble with. So. Uh, Still, it's cool that they're, you know, actually doing that. Hopefully, yeah, it's a nice thought, isn't it? Hopefully, they'll re-release it for, you know, the Vita or 3DS or something as well. All right. And we might roll out because uh, we're hitting about minute 20, which is another, like, another long minute podcast. 20? Minute 20? Minute <laughs> 20, like, like last week. So, another long podcast coming out. think you mean an hour 20? No, 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 I don't. Oh, okay. Minute 20. Yeah, just calm down, mate. Calm you down. just press record. It'll, just it'll be right. Mm. It'll be right. So, this week we have Ratchet and Clank all for one. Ben tried this one at uh, E3 and took about half an hour to get through a 10 second scene. I got stuck and I don't know if it was due to the game being glitched, you know, and not finished at E3 or my inability to work out what the hell to do, but uh, it was, it was fun, but I was stuck in about like five minutes in, so. Yeah. And then, but it was good. It was good. Five more days of this game ever is going to come out. Yeah, hold on. And then we've got House of the Dead Overkill Extended Cut. Which will be one of those. Nearly got actually. Funnily enough, it was going to get banned. Yeah, it get banned. Me. Yeah, we mentioned then, that in one no, of the. No, and then episodes. they, you know, put in a request for it to be redone, re and up, it yeah. actually got announced. Yeah, so, so it's cool that that's actually coming out here. Yeah, but um, it will be like the huge one, sort of that nineteen eighties almost slapstick horror yeah. kind of. Slapstick. I think it's a, it's a straight up rail shooter. It's yeah. it's very. I just um, think it's quite well done. 
It's inspired by Grindhouse to yeah. the max. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's it's very like, funny. It's a lot like of a lot ones. of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last, the Wii one was had the record for a long time for the most use of the word. Is, I think Sega have done most of the yeah. ones like that. Did, did they do um, the original House of the Dead? I think so. The arcade yeah, one? I believe so. And they yeah. also did Virtual Cop and... Uh, yeah. Virtual Cop. Uh, um, and Nick will announce the other game coming out this week. Oh my god, Battlefield 3, hard. five days away. 27th it's getting released here in Australia. It's going to be a good day. So uh, good day. next week, expect some Battlefield 3 discussion. Yeah, yeah, I may not be chatting really. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm um, not on the podcast, you'll know why. In fact, I think I'm... Is it alright if I bring my console around and play while we do the podcast? Yeah, We can not? commentate. Yeah, but it's playing on mute, dude. Okay. Um, the other thing with it is... is Actually, it's not quite next week. It's just after the next podcast, hopefully. We've got the first map pack for Gears War 3. Um, now, I'm under the impression that the annual season pass will not be worth your money unless you get it before this map pack comes out. Because the idea of it is the season pass gives you a 33% pre-purchase discount on it. Once that first DLC comes out, you won't be getting that covered under the season pass, as far as I know. So... Yeah. Pick up your season passes now if you're planning on doing it. Um, I believe it comes out 1st of November is okay. that DLC. And then the 1st of December is the first single-player add-on thing. The 12th of December, I think. 12th yeah. of December, sorry. Um, but yeah, if you're going to get your annual passes, pick them up now. Cool. Sweet. All right. Uh, I think that's it for us this week. So wind up. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'm out. I'm also out. <laughs> Thank you very much. My name was Nick. That was Kurt and Ben. We're pressx.com. Jump on the website. More stuff coming soon. Uh, this podcast will be up. Hopefully, you'll be listening to it now. So I don't yeah, need to say um, <laughs> yeah. Another one next week. We'll try and keep them uh, pretty keep close going. to the same yeah. date. Uh, last week, sorry about it. It took a little while. I and didn't put it up. So that's probably If you want to email fault. us, podcast at pressx.com.au. That's right. You're welcome to have a chat. Find out anything you'd like. If you've got... um. Like even like if you got a submission for what's the haps or something like that that you'd like what's to put in like a, a theme song or something like that, we're happy to take it really. So no problems. Cheers guys. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Yo. Yo.